And there we go. I fixed my on-air sign. Good deal. I couldn't figure out if it was a loose wire or the battery compartment. Like, it's powered by USB-C, so you could run a cable to it, but it also has three, three AA batteries on it for, an, for a light-up on-air sign. Like, I didn't want just any on-air sign. I wanted it to look like those ones from, like, the 1950s, you know, and the old radio stations. Figured it out. I think it's the battery compartment that's all screwy, because I plug it in via USB. Damn thing shines like the sun. Welcome to Strange Places, everybody. Your old pal Billy Shoemate here. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. We've tackled weird on the show before. Oh, yes. But what we're about to hear is possibly the strangest thing I've ever dove, dove into. I had a general knowledge of this, but <laughs> uh, when I jumped in that hole, I jumped in it, boy. This one is... Uh, there's no words. I gotta, I gotta just... Tell the story. The Sundown Clown is no doubt one of the strangest and most, I would say, unclassifiable paranormal entities ever recorded in not just England's history, but I'm going to stretch as far as to say ever. Seemingly neither a spirit nor extraterrestrial, Sam, as he is known, is truly in his own class of unidentified entities. Only one reported encounter, one, with this being is known. A supposed sighting involving two children from Sandown, England, who interacted with the being for an extended period of time in 1973. The creature allegedly, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the story first. I'm going to tell it more like a narrative. I tried to do it a bunch of different ways. I tried to look at it a bunch of different ways. Really, this is the best way to let the cat out of the bag is just to tell you the story. Well, let's do it this way. First, a little bit of data. <laughs> the creature allegedly allegedly stood nearly seven feet tall, lacked a defined neck, instead having a head that emerged directly from its shoulders. The entity wore what appeared to be a green skin-tight tunic, red collar around its neck, and a pointed yellow cowl with, a, with wooden antennae. The creature's facial features consisted of triangular eyes, a square-shaped nose and yellow lips that never moved, as well as red cheek markings and a small bit of, like a, a small tuft of red hair coming out of the cowl. It's been suggested that Sam was an extraterrestrial or an interdimensional being, but the lack of evidence makes much, such hypotheses, you know, pretty dubious, as you can imagine. A more disturbing yet realistic possibility is that Sam was human and was actually a child predator. According to the story, he didn't actually make any advances towards the children, but the fact that he invited them into his hut is pretty suspicious to some. Of course, it isn't necessary that the individual, assuming it was a human in a suit at all, had malicious intent. It's entirely possible that they were simply a prankster looking to frighten young children and cause a scare in the local town. But doing so in such a remote area where victims would be scarce would have been a lackluster strategy for even the most unskilled of pranksters, right? So the story. The encounter with Sam occurred in the late afternoon, unspecified exact date. All we know it was, is that it was May 1973. In the small resort town of Sandown, lo, and it, it, those of you from England, if I'm saying Sandown incorrectly, please let me know. Sandown? I'm not sure, but Sandown, 
as far as I know. <laughs> and feel free to correct me in the comments. Located on the Isle of Wight's East Coast, two children, one being known by the alias Faye and the other being unnamed, were exploring the hills of the Shanklin Sandown Golf Club. While exploring the rolling green hills of the course, they were alarmed to hear a monotone siren kind of sound. Going in search of the source of the noise, the two children made their way to a small bridge where the siren suddenly ceased and a strange entity emerged from underneath the bridge. The creature, apparently startled by the children's presence, fumbled with a book it had in its hand and dropped it into the stream below. Upon retrieving the now-drenched book, the clown-like entity fled with a series of... No, it didn't run. It was a bounding hop, a series of just odd, almost unnatural-looking hops, as though the creature was experiencing lowered gravity. It fled into a windowless metal domicile or shack and returned with a small microphone-like device. After a brief reprise of the siren-like noise, eventually, evidently, uh, the kids described it as the microphone squeak, which would be, you know, microphone feedback. The figure began to speak to the children. As the now-calmed children approached, the figure wrote the message, Hello, I am all colors. Sam, in a jumbled order. The children later described the creature's manner of speaking as stilted, although as if it was trying to put on a, a ventriloquist act on itself, or talking through a really stuffy, non-moving mask. Now, Faye asked Sam if he was a human, an idea that Sam outright denied. He said no. After being asked if he was a ghost, Sam allegedly replied, Not really but I am in an odd sort of way. Sam began to explain that he had no true name despite calling himself Sam and that others like him existed on Earth. He expressed a fear of humans, specifically a fear that humans would attack him if he were ever discovered. The seemingly friendly figure then invited the children into his hut. The hut's first floor consisted of nothing but an electric heater and wooden furniture. Sam told the children that, in addition to his hut, he had a secret campsite but did not disclose its location. Sam removed his hat, placed a bear... I know, it gets weird. This is, I'm just telling you how it happened. Sam removed the hat, the yellow kind of cowl, put a berry from the forest in his ear, and lunged forward to cause the berry to reappear in the eye socket before doing so again and popping it out of his mouth. Little magic trick. For the next half hour, the two children conversed with Sam, asking him questions and receiving only vague answers in return. Eventually, they left and raced home to tell someone of what they just encountered. Encountering the golf course's groundskeeper, they told him their tale, but he laughed it off as over overactive imagination. Disheartened by the groundkeeper's reaction, Faye waited several weeks before telling her father, but after exploring the area in which the incident occurred, no trace of the metal hut or Sam was ever found. Very, very odd. I couldn't make this up. <laughs> I couldn't write something like this. Okay, how do we tackle this? Let's just start unpacking, right? But some of these, that's just what you got to do. 
ambulance-like siren. The children wandered across a footbridge over a stream, met a curious, unidentifiable, unidentifiable being that was described as a cross between a... Uh, as This is from the children. This is a quote from the children. A cross between a clown, a robot, and an alien. It was shy but friendly. Spoke kindly to the children for almost half an hour before they came, came back to their parents. It vanished after the encounter. Never seen since. Despite standing over, well, to most, I got to remember, most of my listeners are not in the U.S., two meters in height, roughly. Sandown Clown had more or less normal human proportion, proportions, two arms, two legs, round head, no neck, but identifiable facial features. The similarities to a normal human end there, though, in case you're wondering. The head was described as being way too large for its thin frame, shaped like a nearly perfect sphere. The skin was very white and had the consistency of paper, while its hands and feet possessed only three digits each. And its face seemed to have been crudely painted onto the surface of its head. Yes, these were not pigmentations. This wasn't skin. This was nothing. It looked like it was this covering over the head was painted. Two blue triangles seemingly represented eyes. Flat brown rectangle served for a nose, and its mouth had thin yellow lips shaped like an oval, which didn't move at all when it spoke. A tuft of hair hung down between its hat and sparse, frizzled, reddish-brown strands. Two wooden antennae. That sticks out for me for some reason. We'll have to unpack that later. Stuck out from the sides of its head, with more wooden slat-like antennae extended from its wrists and ankles. It seemed to be wearing some type of clown costume, which consisted of a tall pointed hat, black knob or bobble at the top, high-collared suit, red and green, to which the hat was at first attached, but was later removed by the being to show its face. Yes, it took this thing off and showed it its face. They said its skin was paper, like paper, and it had kind of a balding scalp. It had dark blue gloves on, but its feet were bare. That's important. The children said its feet were bare, so it wasn't just painted white. This was its thing's skin. The suit's trousers and sleeves were long and frilly like a clown. Whether the wooden antennae were part of the costume or part of the being's body, we don't know. It was also carrying a microphone or tannoy system through which it spoke, which is believed to be the source of the ambulance-like siren heard by the children, which they said sound like, quote-unquote, microphone sounds, feedback. It lived in a two-story hut. Of, well, that's another thing that kind of gets me. How do you confuse microphone feedback with an ambulance sound? That's what I was wondering. And then I really dove into what the kids were reporting, and they said, no, these were two distinct different sounds. This little PA system that this clown had was able to produce a very loud siren. So much so that the kids were going to run away from it. They were scared of it. But when they heard the microphone feedback, they were kind of curious and walked back. This two-story hut, the shack, in a wooded area close to the lake, the walls were papered with blue-green dial patterns. The floors were metallic. The hut also contained rough wooden furniture, which was described as being similar to a table and a set of chairs. How old were these kids? Hold on. I'm uh, I'm not saying I'm developing a picture. I just I just want to um, you know, I I want a a full <laughs> I want a full glimpse here. How old were these children? Mm, I might have to cut here because you know how I do my homework. I do my research, but I save a lot of it for the show. Uh, did I mention their ages? 
I don't think I did. Mm. Might have to cut here. I might have to do some more digging because I'm not I'm just going to sit here in freaking silence. I've got to know how old these kids are. I think it's important. Give me a second. I'm back. Don't you love technology? For me, it was like five minutes. For you, it's instantaneous. Guess what I found as far as their ages? Zilch. Zilch. Squat. Nada. Nyet. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. All I know is that it was two young children. Well, God, <laughs> depending on perspective, young could be 25. But it said young children. So that doesn't really help me at all. They could have been, I don't know, <laughs> they could have been any age. Young children? Okay. That's, that's disheartening. Because the reason I ask is because this is so descriptive. You know, I know you're probably never going to forget something like this, but look at how insanely descriptive this is. How do you know that the antennae were made of wood? How do you, you know, you remember every single thing about the shack? You remember the blue green dial patterns? How young are these kids? You know what I mean? If they're five and six, they're going to say the walls were blue. They're going, oh yeah, they had swirlies on them. No fucking five-year-old's going to come up to you and say, it had blue-green dial patterns, floors were metallic, the hut contained rough wooden furniture. Are you, give me a break. <laughs> he had a wooden chair. Yeah, what'd it look like? It was wood. I know little kids, man. This is very descriptive. Anyway, I thought that was odd. Among other things, the clown being's demeanor was shy but friendly. It told the children that it was frightened of humans who would not defend itself if it were attacked. It claimed to drink water from the stream quote-unquote, after cleaning it, and gathered wild berries, which it ate in a very odd manner by thrusting its head forward and somehow moving the berries back and forth between its eye holes and down to its mouth. It could write in English using a pencil and paper. Oh, so this extra-dimensional being just had a pencil. <laughs> Sorry. I try not to get smart-assy during these stories, but I'm thinking the whole time, oh, it just happened to have a pencil and paper. Okay. Upon being asked, it told the little girl that its name was Sam. But we have to keep an open mind about this shit, because I tell you, man, as long as I've been into this stuff, as long as I've been doing this show, as long as I've been into this stuff at all, it's usually the stuff that you think to yourself, oh, this is bullshit. That's the stuff that you end up kind of, you know, really looking at, really looking at the evidence. That's the stuff we end up proving, right? The stuff that <laughs> at Jump Street, you're just saying, oh, come on. That's usually the stuff that's true. So I, I take back my little smart-assy comment there. I just thought, you know, it's odd. Children said, are you a ghost? It said, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way. What a weird answer. All other questions about what it might be were answered solely with the words. And they, they asked it a bunch of questions. Anything that you could ask an alien or extra-dimensional being, which tells me these kids had to have been at least... 10, 11, they're asking some fairly intelligent questions, if this happened at all. And whenever they ask questions like this, things that you would ask an alien, it only replied with, you know. Ooh, give me a chill saying that. <laughs> there are several explanations um, as far as people who have studied this thing of what the being could have been. Theories include a human wearing a costume, a fairy, ghost, other type of paranormal or supernatural fairy taleish creature. It's England, by the way. A robot, an extraterrestrial, a hoax, a shared hallucination, you know, falea de tu, 
I know I didn't say that right, but a shared hallucination. Fun facts, Bufora, British UFO Research Association, first recorded the details of the encounter after interviewing the two children in person. No spacecraft or even terrestrial vehicle was observed at the time of the incident. I need to tell you that. And only the children saw and spoke to the being. Its shack had vanished before further research could be carried out, and workmen near the site reported nothing out of the ordinary, not even the crazy loud siren sounds. The children were insistent that this encounter really happened, all the way up until they grew up. Their parents initially disbelieved them, but when they continued to talk about the encounter in extremely vivid detail, that's a fucking understatement, Bufora was contacted by the parents, and all details logged in their archives. I do need to let you know that they ruled it inconclusive. Paranormal researchers uh, Jenny Randall's Albert Rosales, Janet, and Colin Board wrote about the Sandown Clown in several books. None ever stated definitively any theory on what it may have been. The blog, History Disclosure, has one of the most complete recountings of the encounter published to date. Why am I not using that as a reference? Uh, I have a hard time, and I... Uh, Listen, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but I have, I know what, what am I looking for? I know what service that they use to write their blogs. I wrote for the same company for a while. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but when you're forced to hit a certain word count, you kind of start feeling shit in, you know, there's some filler there and I'm not a fan of that. I don't care if the article is two paragraphs as long as it's. All true, no filler. And as far as the blog site, eh, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of filler there, a little bit of stretching. May be true, may not be true, but I want to get as close to the source on this as possible. As close to it as possible, kids. I first heard about this thing from a YouTube video called uh, a YouTube video, a YouTube channel called Shrouded Hand. Shrouded Hand, which is great, by the way. I'm not endorsed by him, but you've got to check out his YouTube channel. It's awesome. He does, you know, stuff like this, but he has a really creepy, like, really deep English voice, and he talks about it. It's really good. I like Shrouded Hand. It's, it's really good. Very creepy. Awesome delivery. And he talks about very obscure shit. If you look up the Sandown Clown, you're not going to find much. But he said what his source was, was this YouTube channel. What is this called? Uh, yeah. Cool Dudes Walking Club. There's a video called Search for the Sandown Clown. And this was done, yeah, January, what is that? January 27th, 2022. I keep great notes, don't I? I have to keep looking away, moving away from the microphone. Very professional, kids. Very professional. But <laughs> this came out January 2022, and apparently these guys were one of the first entities online that broke this thing. So what they did was they tried to find the original spot where this had occurred. This was very interesting to me because... As you can imagine, after taking all this in, I mean, I almost didn't do an episode on it. It's just, it's so out there. And it's really hard <laughs> to examine this evidence and come up with any anything I come up with is going to be pretty much opinion at this point. So I will soak in as much of the Sandown Clown as humanly possible. And I took the time and watched this kind of mini documentary of them trying to find this spot where it had occurred and they do this they 
go, you know, they live in England. They find all these haunted spots and they do the work. They go out there with EMF meters, full range spectrometers. They measure, uh, you know, radiation in the soil. I mean, they do it. They do it all. So I was very interested in seeing this. As a matter of fact, I just cut right now <laughs> and watched it again. I wanted to be fresh on it. This guy has his humorous moments. He makes it entertaining and stuff like that. But he is, I'll just, uh, I hate bashing people, but I'll just say it this way. He is 10 times more professional than any professional ghost hunter in this fucking area. And he does his homework. Looking at this video, he zeroes in on multiple spots and multiple footbridges where this could have occurred. I will have you know that not one speck of radiation was found at any of these places. Nothing lit up, nothing beeped. So no anomalies there. But there are quite a few places because he knows, you know, that it's supposed to be uh, around the... What the hell am I looking for? <laughs> Sandown Airport and the nearby golf course, which only leaves two or I'd say two major possibilities where it could have been. Didn't find anything, but it's still a fascinating story. And through this, you'll learn what you're not going to learn poking around online is that there is another supposed sighting with the Sandown Clown. Not documented, but is it worth telling? I think so. One of his relatives, and this was years later, was being driven by her mother down the road that, you know, by the golf course there. And she started laughing hysterically. Little girl in the back seat starts laughing. Mom says, What is that? She goes, There's a funny man standing in the field with a pointy hat. Mom couldn't see it. Now, am I going to believe everything that little kids say? <laughs> is this a. Uh, uh, modern day it, right? Is something going to pop out of the, of the, you know, uh, <laughs> is something going to pop out of a stream there? Only if you're a kid, you know, you can see it. Hiya, Georgie. You know what I mean? <laughs> do you want your boat? I can't, I can't do the Bill Skarsgård it. I can't even, I can barely do the Tim Curry it. Hiya, Georgie. I, I kind of, yeah, there we go. You want a balloon? <laughs> so if that <laughs> brings any images of that up to you, yeah, that's what it does to me. How the hell do we examine this? Honestly. What's kind of funny to me is that um, there's a lot of outbuildings at that airport. And a lot of buildings that look like how the shack was described that the Sandown Clown had. Metal, all metal construction, Two floors. Eh, that's interesting. But there were two workers that were fixing a pole that were nearby. They didn't hear the siren, didn't see the clown, nothing, not a zilch, zip, nothing. These are two little kids that swore up until their adulthood that they saw this thing. I have no doubt that they saw something strange or out of the ordinary. And I can't ask you to recall something from that young an age because anything you recall is going to be fucking mundane as hell compared to this what's the strangest thing that ever happened to you when you were a little kid okay now tell me in vivid detail as detailed as you possibly can unless you saw a seven foot clown in the middle of the woods you're probably not going to be able to do that very well 
But if you did see a seven-foot clown in the middle of the woods, would you be able to? Would your recall be that good? It bugs me that I don't know the kids' ages, among other things. So let's go. I want to do something here. Okay, let's take some of this data. We just got to un unpack this one thing at a time. Okay. Seven foot, seven feet tall. They said that its exposed skin was completely white, like paper. It was wearing some kind of head covering, completely round, no neck, had way too big for its body, right? The covering was painted up to look like a clown. It took the helmet off, and so did the kids say, and they said its skin was like paper. It could only speak via this... Well, it could speak, but it was extremely muffled. It had to use this... Uh, what I describe as a PA system, a microphone in a little box, right? The kids, by the way, identified it as a microphone. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking, what's going on here? What are the only possibilities? Let's, we have to unpack this first. What are the only possibilities that this thing could possibly be based on what we know about the story? Let's take the story into account and assume that it's true. If this thing is a supernatural thing, if it's not natural, then what the hell is it? Plain and simple, black and white, it's either an extraterrestrial or something from another dimension. Period. Robot doesn't make fucking sense to me. Obviously, it's organic. Right? So if it's something supernatural, you have alien or some kind of extra-dimensional being. Right? Because it said... They asked it, are you a ghost? He goes, no, in an odd sort of way, yes. Would an alien say that? No. If you were a being from another dimension, you existed here and there and kind of in between, that's exactly what you would say, especially to a child. Are you a ghost? Well, if you're able to travel between dimensions and cloak yourself and move between them or what have you, honestly, that's the, <laughs> that's the most eloquent way I could possibly put it especially to a child. That alone makes me narrow it down to extra-dimensional being. So, because, think about it logically. If you're an extraterrestrial <laughs> and you landed here, you're obviously capable of interstellar travel, at least travel around the Milky Way, right? Because we haven't discovered any clown ships, not being a smartass, but we haven't. We haven't, no inkling of these being has been heard from before or since. It's not an alien. can't be. If, it's a, if, if we're leaning on the supernatural, extra-dimensional being is what we've decided, right? Because no alien is going to have wooden antenna, wooden furniture. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to use a PA system to speak. Those are so, those things are so earthly, right? They're so grounded in our human logic. And on top of that, this thing looks like a clown. How the hell would a being with in, capable of interstellar travel know what the hell a clown is? And even then, they would badly re replicate it. I don't care how long they've been studying the human race. I don't care. They can't even get the men in black right. <laughs> right? Because people say they look like uh, they're in the wrong era, their skin is waxy, they, they just look so fucking out of place. And then try to get beings like that to nail a clown. I'm just saying. There's something so human 
about the Sandown Clown. There's something so human about it. From the orange tuft of hair to its tattered clothes. Oh, that was another thing. It's tattered clothes. The children said, why are your clothes dirty? It said, because these are the only clothes that I have. Anyway, the kids identified what it was speaking through as a microphone. Tell me, what kind of, what kind of uh, antennae have any use if it's made out of wood? I'll give you an answer. Zero. There's a reason why we don't make antennae out of wood. What does this tell me? Costume. Screams costume. And these are little kids, man. Uh, I want to believe what they say. But I'm not being judgmental, but these are little kids. You know what I mean? I'm not going to discount it because they're kids, but you do have to... There's got to be a little element of doubt there. These are little kids, man. You know what I mean? I'm not saying their motives were bad. They probably did see something weird out there. But think about this. Alien just goes right out the window. Ghost, forget it. Will they make wooden ghost armor in the afterlife? No. This thing... If it is supernatural, it's extra-dimensional. It's got to be. But there's something so human about it. It has to speak through a microphone. It very broken, very strange English, which could have been caused by the helmet. Maybe it had a helmet under the helmet. I, I don't know. But I can't get over that. Something is so human about it. It doesn't, it, it, it knows what berries to eat that are growing in the woods. It, it purifies the water to drink it. See, what bugs me about the study of extraterrestrials, okay? What really bugs me about it, we're going to go over a little bit on this one just because there's so much here. So forgive me, I'll try to get through this. But what bugs me about extraterrestrials is that we try to study them based on human uh, biology, earth-based knowledge. We say, oh, that you got to have water to survive and you got to be made out of carbon and you got to this, you got to that, you got to this, you got to that. Well, there's a compound out there that's just as sticky and, you know, uh, what, what am I looking for? Uh, compatible as carbon, silicon. Who says that these things have to drink water? Look at tardigrades. They can go fucking decades without drinking water. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do they still need water to survive? Yeah. But we got to stop thinking about extraterrestrial things with Earth-based knowledge. We don't even know what's at the bottom of our own fucking ocean. And you're going to try to say, well, everything that's alive needs water. Give me a break. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> that some alien race out there billions of light years away would be like, oh, we got to stop, man. Why? Oh, I got to drink something. Come on. <laughs> it has its own methods of survival. If they even exist, which I'm convinced they do, actually. I think we've proven that on this show, that extraterrestrials are a thing. But we got to stop using Earth-based logic when we're thinking about, you know, extraterrestrial things. It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. You think our piddly little science is going to explain stuff like that? No. But this does not sound alien to me. This thing nailed clown really well. The kids knew a microphone when they saw it. It had what is very clearly, to me, a PA system. But when the adults went to go look for it, how come they didn't find anything? 
was this how how was it seven feet tall? Was this just a crazy tall human? Did he have stilts on under this thing? Why were the antennae made out of wood? Huh? There's things that don't stand. There's things that don't that make no sense to me. The kids were saying that it was shabby wooden furniture. You tell a toddler to remember what happened five minutes ago. Granted, they didn't see a seven-foot clown in the woods. Maybe that heightens your perceptions a little bit. But something's off to me. Something's just off here. I don't want to say it's an extra-dimensional being because there's something so organically human about it. I don't believe in the child abductor story because he had the kids in his grasp. He knew that the kids were not coming back. He knew that his appearance was extremely strange. You know, he had the kids in his hut. He had them. So if he was going to abuse, hurt, kill the children, whatever, he didn't do it. And I hear a lot of people saying, oh, child predator, child predator. This is just some child, you know, whatever. This is some child diddler. No, it's not. Because he had the kids. No one would have no found out for a long time, if not ever, if he was smart enough. We can rule that completely out was it some kind of prankster that's very very possible in fact i'm kind of leaning towards that (laughs) but how come they never found the shack the kids went back with them see this is the thing that one of the people that i watched one of the kind of little youtube videos and studies on said oh it's just one of the outbuildings at the airport metal building stuff like that But the kids went back with the parents, right? And they said, oh, the shack's not here. It's adjacent to the airport. You can see all of the outbuildings. None of the kids pointed at the outbuilding and said, oh, there it is. It was not on the grounds of the airport, period. If this happened at all, were the kids lying? Was this just a flight of fancy or whatever? Kids say crazy stuff all the time. (laughs) But... Either they've convinced themselves that this occurred via shared hallucination, whatever, power of suggestion, I don't know. And they grew up believing this. That's possible, too. There's way too much here. There's nothing definitive. I really wanted to come to some kind of conclusion on this one. (laughs) But I think we have to say that the Sandown Clown incident merits further study. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I really wanted to come to a conclusion with this one. I really did. I was itching for it. But like I said, I save a lot of the research for when we're actually sitting here looking at the meat and potatoes, man, because I want you to get my real reactions and my real opinions. Every piece of evidence here is working against another one, and everything I see debunking this, it something else pops up that just blows it apart you know what i mean it's purifying the the water so it can drink it it eats berries out of the woods if you're an extra dimensional being here on earth yeah that would make sense right you would still drink water you'd still need berries for all that stuff and i think it's awfully stupid to think that an extraterrestrial being is gonna survive on berries and water are you fucking kidding me god knows what star system they're from they probably eat fucking diamonds right they probably eat humans they're probably gonna eat your face for lunch i don't know they're gonna eat rocks i don't know they eat air molecules you don't know but we could take extraterrestrial off the table right that's logical to say that yes 
using our logical brains, because like we say every episode, that logic and common sense is something not used in this field of paranormal study anymore. People just do not take that evidence for what it is and look at it and use their common fucking sense. Common sense tells me it is not extraterrestrial. Nothing about this creature screams extraterrestrial to me. Is it some kind of a machine? Is it a robot? No, the kids said that they saw pores in the skin. That this thing was sentient. It talked like a person. It used a microphone to speak. Don't you think if it was a robot, it would have some kind of apparatus to where it could project its voice? Or that it wouldn't need to hold an external device like a microphone? Robot falls apart pretty quick. So what are we dealing with here? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's one of three things. It's either a legitimate extra dimensional, extra dimensional being or a human being, whatever, that would seem extremely odd to us, but is just human enough. Maybe a dimension, part of the multiverse, right? That's very close to ours, but odd enough to where we have a story like this. That is not implausible. That's very, very possible. You can't dismiss the multiverse. You can't dismiss the multidimensional theory. You can't. Scientists are really looking into this because it has some merit. It really does. And until we disprove that, it's got to be on the table. So that's number one, extra-dimensional being. Number two, human prankster. Very possible. Very, very possible. Child predator, not buying it. Human prankster that just screwed with everybody just to get his name in the paper so him and his buddies can sit back and laugh at it later. People do stuff like that, yeah. I see in publications all the time, oh, why would somebody do that? Because, so they could tell all their buddies and laugh their ass off. And so they could be something to tell the grandkids and pass down. I totally see why. Like the crop circle guys, you know what I mean? In England. Or third thing, the children saw just a guy at the airport who was dressed kind of funky. When I'm looking at these old drawings of the Sandown Clown, if you just glance at it, take your eye and just shoot across that picture real quick. You know what it looks like to me? Huh? Looks like one of those guys that work airplane runways with the glowy lights and the weird reflective clothing. Yeah. If you just glance your eye across it, that's what it looks like to me. That's a possibility that it was just... On, they were on the grounds of the airport, overactive imagination. Maybe one of the guys dropped something in the creek. Maybe they decided to screw with the kid. Or he had some kind of uh, radio on him to where he could communicate with the, with the tower, you know? That's just as plausible as anything else. Can we discount that because the kids didn't point at one of the airport outbuildings? Uh, I want to discount that, but... Number one, we're dealing with little kids. And number two, they said that this thing was, it was metal in structure, you know, had a corrugated look to it, dude. All the outbuildings at that airport look exactly like this thing's hut. That's as much credit as I will give those kids, but I'm not going to give them that one. That this, you know, was definitely not an outbuilding at the airport. They could have been scared. They could have been keyed up. It could have been a shared hallucination. It's one of one of those three things, and we cannot prove any of them. <laughs> Nor can we disprove them. The Sandown Clown, sorry to say, I really wanted this one to have some kind of conclusion. But it definitely merits further study. 
I don't want to dismiss this as just a flight of fancy imagination of two little kids. Do I think something happened here? Uh, see, really? Th that's got to get you thinking, right? I know we're going over, but this one is fascinating. Can we surmise that this happened at all? Well, something did, even if it was a shared hallucination. These two are saying it as they're grown up. This is a cemented part of their memory, right? So even if we lump in the shared hallucination thing, it's still tangible. It's firing around in the neurons in their brain. Something, I cannot, I, I can't prove that something supernatural happened. I'll say it like that. We cannot prove that something supernatural happened. We can't disprove that either. We can't prove that something supernatural didn't happen. But what am I going to say? Yeah, we can't. <laughs> Let me get back to this. I'm trying to think out loud here. We can't prove that something supernatural happened. We can't disprove it either. But what we can prove, seriously, what we can prove is that those kids did see something kind of odd. They did see something that Made him want to run home and tell dad. And I think that makes it worthy of an episode. So what do you think about the Sandown Clown incident? Let me know. Do you know more about it? Do you have any family members or anything that could have seen something around that time? Let me know. Have you ever seen something similar? Let me know in the comments or whatever you're listening to this on. So head to Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com. For all things Strange Places related, all the social media links are there, as well as the link to get to our Patreon account, where you can get everything from bonus episodes, bonus episodes, bonus episodes, and bonus episodes, as well as giveaways at certain tiers, bonus episodes, I'm sorry, giveaways, you know, all kinds of stuff. Early episodes, uh, you get your own podcast if you're a patron. Yeah, yeah, I said that right. Podcast just for the patrons. Who the hell does that? Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel. Donald Haynes, David Peterson, I really appreciate you guys. If you're one of those that just likes to go directly to the horse's mouth, that's patreon.com slash asylum817. And uh, yeah, thanks to the sponsors. I will catch you guys later. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode because I really had fun making it. I really did. Are we ever going to talk? What? Didn't I screw this outro up last time? Are we ever going to? Wow. I have derailed. <laughs> Should I just say bye and queen wave and get out of here? No. Okay. Let's try this again. Are we ever going to run out of strange things to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours. The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. 
For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men and their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.